lip and every screen, back through its late and then its early development, until we arrive at last at the singularity, the precise time and place it first entered the world. On July 16, 2009, Betsy McCoy, the former lieutenant governor of New York, appeared on Fred Thompson's radio show to add her two cents to the hottest political topic of that summer— President Barack Obama's controversial plans to reform America's health care system and extend coverage to tens of millions of uninsured citizens. Fred Thompson was a colorful conservative whose furrowed and jowly gravitas had taken him from a successful law career to the U.S. Senate, not to mention several successful stints as a Hollywood character actor. After the Senate, he embraced talk radio and in 2009 his show was one of countless conservative outlets on which Obamacare was dissected and condemned. There wasn't a better person than Betsy McCoy to do that. A historian with a PhD from Columbia, thus entitling her to that medical-sounding doctor, McCoy had risen through sheer brain power from humble origins in Pittsburgh to become a significant public figure on the American right and she was considered a specialist in health care policy. She had been a forensic as well as a ferocious critic of Clinton care, the Democrats' failed attempt to reform the system in the 1990s. Obamacare, of course, was a rather different proposition. Indeed, some of its founding principles had been developed by Republicans, or even implemented by them. The policy bore a particularly inconvenient resemblance to Mitt Romney's health care reforms while he was governor of Massachusetts. Mr. Romney was already being touted as a possible challenger to Barack Obama in the 2012 presidential election. But Betsy McCoy was too forthright and ideologically committed to be discomforted by the intellectual genealogy of Obamacare, nor was she likely to face a particularly testing cross-examination from her lawyer-turned-radio host. American politics was polarizing even before Barack Obama arrived in the White House, and the media discussion of that politics had polarized along with it. The paradoxical result was that the more bitter the divisions became, the more likely it was that everyone in any given studio or any political website would agree with one another. The people with whom they all disagreed were absent. Indeed, were probably all gathered in a different studio, making the opposite case in an equally cosy ideological cocoon where they faced the same low risk of contradiction. On the face of it, then, nothing about this encounter, the political circumstance, the characters, the likely flavor and flow of the argument, was out of the ordinary. But on July 16th, Betsy McCoy had something new to say— Deep within one of the drafts of the Obamacare legislation that was then making its way through Congress, she had stumbled on an unnoticed but alarming proposal. One of the most shocking things I found in this bill, and there were many, is on page 425, where the Congress would make it mandatory that every five years people in Medicare have a required counselling session that will tell them how to end their life sooner— how to decline nutrition, how to decline being hydrated, how to go into hospice care. These are such sacred issues of life and death. Government should have nothing to do with this. There are two things to note about this claim. The first is simply that it's untrue. The section of the bill that McCoy was referring to, section 1233, 
did not, in fact, call for compulsory end-of-life counselling sessions. Such sessions would have remained at the patient's discretion. The intent of the draft section was to make these voluntary sessions eligible for coverage under Medicare, the federal programme that pays many of older Americans' medical costs. But the fact that it was untrue, and indeed was promptly and definitively refuted by defenders of the bill, did nothing to stop it from rapidly gaining currency. This is the second and more intriguing point to note. Provision of -of end-of-life counselling had previously enjoyed tentative bipartisan support, but in the days following McCoy's appearance, many of America's most influential conservative commentators and a number of prominent Republican politicians, including the House Minority Leader John Boehner, took up her charges, and the claim began to be rounded out. The radio host...